Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Gobbler Country's Talk in Turkey, where today we review the Hokies' 38-31 victory over Duke on Saturday night to move to 2-0 on the season. I'm your usual co-host, Brian Manning. Joining me tonight is my usual co-host, John Schneider. John, what would you think of the win? I think tons of things about this win. Some of them are a little worrisome. Others are, like, sky-high impressed. Most of it's sky-high impressed. What impressed me the most was how this team, I mean, it was a gut punch on Saturday morning and Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. They got double gut punched because I guess Friday afternoon they found out about the coaches and and some of the defenders. Saturday morning, everybody else fell through. And I think the the two main, Hamilton and, and Smith, were pulled out as early as Saturday morning. It might have been Friday. I think Justin Fuente's press conference, he was so exhausted and tired. He wasn't completely specific. But it was a serious setback, gut punch. Speaking of gut punch, you're referring to 21 players being out due to, not all were out due to COVID-19, but majority were out due to COVID-19, whether it be testing positive or contact tracing, including the top four cornerbacks, the top two free safeties. And in doing that, they put a true freshman strong in there. And I thought he did well for himself. And he got beat a couple of times, but overall, he played really well. He's going to be a very good player in the future. And then at the other spot, well, at free safety, Tyler Matheny, a walk-on from Fairfax, come in. What a game he had. It was just an impressive yeah. performance. It was a six, gritty performance. Yeah, gritty. Six solo tackles, one assist, two tackles for loss. Okay. And he picked off a pass, too. And he picked, and he got a pick. Now, I was looking him up in a little bit about his history with the Lake Braddock High School in Fairfax County. And he went to Lake Braddock, which is a really, really big Texas equivalent of 5A high school, and played really good football at Lake Braddock. So he was he led the team in interceptions and everything else. But he wasn't a football player. He was, yeah, he was a safety in playing football. But like so many other high school athletes, he did other things. And he was a wrestler. He was a state champion wrestler in 183-pound weight class. You know, he was not, he's not a trivial athlete. He actually had a wrestling scholarship to Virginia, which he turned down so he could play football and walk on at Virginia Tech. So, Yeah, so we love him. And thankfully, he was there, and thankfully, he rose to the occasion. But, because, but I want to touch on Strong and Nadir Thompson yeah. because at corner, yeah. I mean, they, they were thrown to the fire. 
Thompson's in his third year in the program. So seeing him get a chance to play was nice. He's battled some injuries, but for Strong, I mean, he just showed what a player he's going to be. I was very impressed by him, got himself a future, and he's only going to benefit from the trial by fire that he had as far as playing this past week. We're talking Nadir Thompson had three tackles, two solo and an assist. Dorian Strong came in with five tackles, four solos and an assist. So we're talking about some guys that were never expected to do anything this year, stepping up and helping win a major. And this is a major football game. This is not just a revenge game, whatever. We've got to stay winning on the ACC if we want to show up at the end of the season with anything one game short. These guys pulled off a serious miracle. I'm so impressed with them. I'm impressed with their coaching to have them prepped and ready to go like this. And I'm impressed with the way they did this. Yeah, I'm not going to focus a lot on anything negative because what they did defensively especially was amazing. And a big credit goes out to that front seven. Barno had two, Belmar had three. It was nice to see Barno getting there, showing some of that athleticism he has. So it was really good to see all that. Uh, Justice Reed didn't get in the sack column this week, but I'm sure he's going to have plenty of time to do so. But they helped those backs, that secondary out tremendously. and just a good performance. The only thing that I saw that I struggled with was the offense in the first half. They needed to run the football more because it was obviously it worked. I mean, you see 300 plus yards again, and it's obviously working. They're pushing guys around. And I touched on it last week when we talked about the Duke game. That Duke defensive line is no joke. It's a good group, not an elite group by any means, but it's a good group. And, And our guys were throwing them around. So it was very impressive. And Khalil Herbert, I don't know what else to say about him. If you've noticed the poll on the grades article, the poll on the grades article says, look, let's pick who's next behind Khalil Herbert as the most consequential player this weekend. And that's what I'm going to be doing from now on with the grades. You know, And it might not be a single player. It might not even be a player. Justin Fuente made this particular poll. There's nothing you could say about Khalil Herbert. I haven't been this smiley about running back since David Wilson. Back in the day, we we had no problem getting great running backs. I mean, you start at the beginning of the 2000s, we had Kevin Jones and Lee Suggs. For some of those that don't remember those two, go back and watch them. They were studs. And then you go into later years, you get David Wilson, you get Darren Evans and Ryan Williams. All those guys were were stars. And then we went through a bit of a drought there where we had some good running backs, but we weren't getting the type of production that we were used to. And, and several factors go into that. The offense and, and, and the offensive line play wasn't as good as we were used to in the, the 90s and early 2000s, mid-2000s. But that offensive line is it's the best in the league, in my opinion. Well, so the second half of this single segment, let's talk about a little bit more about the offense. And yes, we're going to have to talk about the negatives. The positive, of course, was Khalil. And Blackshear did a good job. And actually, Burmeister running did a really good job, too. And here's the hitch. Burmeister started off the game, and it looked like he had his feet in a bucket. And I'm not sure exactly where he was thinking he was doing stuff, but he was having problems throwing the ball. His ball had no velocity, no zip. He was throwing behind receivers off the wrong shoulder, which was exactly the opposite of what was happening in the first game. The first game, he was hitting stuff. He had some zip on the ball. I don't know. This time, the ball seemed to be like a beach ball sometimes. He seemed to be trying to lob it in there. And the couple that he did throw on a rope, the one was the touchdown to James Mitchell, that actually worked. But if you see the article, I gave low grades to the receivers, 
on catching the ball. They did a really good job with other things. They were blocking like crazy. They were running the ball when they were given the ball, but there were way too many drops. I mean, that first pass to Tavion Robinson, there was no reason why he should have dropped that ball. I think he just got overly excited that he was going to score a touchdown because if he had hung on to that football, he would have been in the end zone. And I think maybe maybe that took a little air out of the sails of Burmeister when Robinson dropped that. And it was like, God, that was a perfect throw. That was six points, you know? And you know how one little thing can pull a pin and set a cascade in motion. Yeah, Tavion so, Robinson, I'm, not, I'm never too critical of him because he usually is pretty sure-handed. He's a great punt returner, but he had a difficult start to that game. He, he uh, muffed that punt, and he also dropped that beautiful pass, one of the few beautiful passes that uh, Burmeister threw that game. But he redeemed himself later in the game. Burmeister hit another good throw there late in the game. But, you know, Robinson's a great player. He had a rough start, but he's shown his yeah. mental toughness. In the past, those guys would have fumbled a punt or something. They would have went in the tent and never recovered. And I don't think we saw that out of him. He did sit on punt returns from then on. I think Blackshear was back there. That was one of those major brain death mistakes that you're too over eager and you forget the basic rule is if the punt's over your head, you're the returner and the punt's over your head, you scream Peter and head for the bench. It's the no, don't touch it. Don't get anywhere near it. If it bounces to the half yard line, so what? It's not a fumble. But we've all been through that. All of us have done it in the past and he'll be better. It was just not his day. But he did redeem himself and did keep fighting. And that's, it is something that we haven't seen in a long time is the, okay, I made a mistake. Now I got to get my butt back out there and work harder. Just like Burmeister did the same thing. He made a couple of mistakes. What did he do? He laced up his big boy pants and he got back out on the field again and he did something better the next time, right? Yeah, speaking of him, as far as Burmeister goes, I would like to see Hooker back under center next week and we'll know more throughout the week. I think it was more due to Puente not being comfortable with enough practice time for Hooker. And that, that, that's reasonable. For I mean, it was three weeks down. It was with so. Pendon, it was three weeks down. So very minimal practice for three weeks. And believe me, a coach that's a quarterback can tell that his quarterback's not ready. That's why I kept telling everybody, I wouldn't even worry about Hooker for this game. I was more interested in the fact that Burmeister was struggling a little bit. I would have kept him in the game over the long haul, but I think at the beginning of the third quarter, I would have not meanly yanked him, but I would have pulled him out, sat him down with a couple of coaches and tried to figure out what the heck was going on and let Quincy run the offense for a while. Since it was a running offense anyway, Quincy out there with Khalil Herbert would have been killer, right? Quincy showed last week and he's shown before that he can he can make some throws and he's not just a running quarterback. He can yeah. throw the football too. So let's just hope Hooker's back under center this week because Burmeister, he's proven he can play and he can proven he can win. But Hooker is the quarterback of this team and he should be. Yeah, this is hard. And like we said, it's day to day. Who knows? And it's the same thing for UNC. UNC is afraid they're going to lose a couple of people. That's bubbling up in the press that they've clammed up, and we don't know what their configuration is going to look like either. So this COVID thing with the contract tracing and everything else and shutting a third of the team down, it's really difficult. And I want to end with one thing. Everybody needs to get off of Justin Fuente's back. I'm sorry. The offense has to be worked on. There'll be a big article about this. I'm going to talk to Brian about it because I'd like to have him, Brian, I'd like to have you comment on this article too and be involved in this article so it goes out under both of us. There's some issues with the offense and how it's structured and how it's run and how the plays are called. 
I'd like to address that separately. But this is different. We're talking about a man who's had huge holes driven in his staff and huge holes driven in his roster. And he's put up two winning efforts with over 30 points scored in each effort. Who does that? How many coaches do you think can do that? I think for the most part, a lot of people who are critical of Fuente, I say a lot, I'm not going to say all, because you can never make the entire segment of people in any fan base happy. They're going to complain about something. But I think for the most part, Fuente's gotten praise, and it's deserved. He's done an outstanding job. I mean, coaches around the country are dealing with this at different levels, and I think he's dealt with it at, a, I mean, 23 and 21 players out the last two weeks and not even knowing until the morning of who you're going to be without, and especially this past week with an entire position group decimated. Yeah, I don't know. At this point, I think prayers to getting on your knees and praying before every weekend is going to be absolutely critical. (laughs) I just do. He's got to keep as many people ready as he possibly can. Now he knows that he's got bench depth that he can go to if he needs it. But I will tell you as a last observation before we wrap it up for today that Next week, UNC is not North Carolina State, though North Carolina State did win this past weekend at beat Pitt. It was a back-and-forth football game. And Duke will not stay 0-3 and three or 0-4 or and four for very long. They're very close. Their quarterback situation just is not good. But their defense is good. It's competent. And actually, Bryce seemed to pick it up at the end of the game. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting remainder of the season. We've got a lot to face. So you've got anything to send us out with today? Yeah, I do want to note that this weekend's game in Chapel Hill has rain in the forecast, and we know how that went last time and how they complained about it. So I'm rooting for downpours because Sam Howell, I've seen him play in the rain and the bad weather. Sam Howell in the rain and the bad weather is not Sam Howell in the nice weather. It's more of a tongue-in-cheek remark about how the last game went when the Carolina was ranked, I think, in the top 15 maybe, and they lost 34-3. to Trubisky was the quarterback that day. Trubisky is a bust in the NFL, went on to become a number three overall pick in the draft, and he was not so good in the, in the rain that day. And they complained that they lost in the rain that day as if two teams didn't play in the rain and other teams didn't play in the rain. So I'm rooting for some rain, and it'll be good for our running backs and our offensive line because they can push them around. So let's root for yep. rain. Yeah, let's root for some real fall challenge. All right, so you let us in, I'll lead us out. Everybody, keep up the faith. Next podcast will be coming up near the end of the week, and that'll be the predictions for the game and our reviews. So stay tuned. But for now, what do we say, Brian? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. (laughs) 